Hey, welcome to the little guys. I'm Josh, and today I am with Chloe. And Chloe, why don't you introduce yourself for everyone? Hi, I'm Chloe. Yeah, it's Chloe Bridges. I just realized that all of my social media has me as Chloe B, so I guess you probably didn't know my last name. No. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you're the creative lead at Avian Rampage Productions. Yes, that is correct. Um, So you want to go really briefly about like what you make and how long you've been doing it? Yeah, so we, um, right now we are a four-person company. We're very small. Um, we make tabletop games. Um, we have released a card game called Americana the Card Game. Um, and we also, um, down the road, we hope to, um, in addition to the tabletop games we're making, we want to make video games and maybe other things as well, hence the productions part of our name. Right. If you're making anything in entertainment, just call it a production and yeah, no one can ask you questions. Um, so what made you guys want to form your own company instead of say like making games and then selling them to other production houses? Um, well, mostly I'm sure this is very common among independent creators, but we just wanted to be independent basically to choose what we're working on, uh, what circumstances, etc. Right. Uh, and why, why did you start with a card game? Uh, well, in a nutshell, um, basically in the past, um, we had kind of tried to do things, mostly video games, um, uh, myself and my boyfriend, Mike McGee, who's also a founding member of the company. Um, we went to school for game development, um, but neither one of us had, um, very good, like programming chops. Like we're both like, okay, we can like talk with programmers. Um, so we just kind of like kept, you know, starting these projects and then kind of like hitting a wall. And finally, um, about two years ago, I was finally just like, okay, what is a game that like we can absolutely make just the two of us? We don't have to list anyone else's help since we don't have any money to pay them. Um, and a card game is what we landed on. And That's sure enough, cool. we were able to release it. <laughs> right. Well, um, I was in my game writing class a couple months ago and they were, and I was like, if you want to make a board game, what's the cheapest one? And they were like, card games. It's the yeah. easiest and cheapest. Um, what was the reception like for Americana once you dropped it? Um, it was pretty good. Um, it's not a hugely popular game, but every um, anytime we like demo it at events, um, obviously our, our we um, we had a Kickstarter that succeeded, um, so that was good. Um, but every time we demo it or play with new people, um, people they kind of um, they get it, <laughs> which is really good. Like that's kind of the most important thing for me because um we we want the game to be accessible and fun but there's also just a little bit of like social commentary going on um so just people picking up on that um and just kind of you know almost anytime we play it with someone new someone at least one person will just kind of like go off like oh that was really interesting blah 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 this reminds me of that or whatever so so yeah in my book um it was well received. <laughs> nice. Um, have you ever had people give the opposite reaction where they're like, I see what you're doing and I don't find it cute? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, with, so the game is more politically moderate, um, than myself or Mike are personally. Um, right. it's also a historical game. So it was, you know, a bit of our personal politics, but also just tempered with the reality of, the time and things that actually happened. Um, so um, we've had a person whose politics are pretty different 
um, from ours who was kind of surly about some of the content in the game. But but you That's can't please everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the fact that they care enough to tell you they're upset means at least you made something, if not fully entertaining, took enough of their time to give an opinion, which is like the smallest silver lining. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't too bummed out about it. Especially ultimately, I kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's unfair or what, but it's like, well, this game's based on history, so I don't know what to tell you. Um, but of course, there's obviously a bit of our own kind of personal take on that history as well. So it's not free of yeah. bias, but. Did you, did you try to remove um, self-bias or were you, did you allow it to come along as you were writing it? Uh, well, we definitely didn't like self-censor, but I mean, we wanted to be like truthful, like, you know, anytime, you know, the objective facts in the game are the objective facts and kind of where we were not objective or on like our um, interpretation of those events. Um, so the game, I guess, to just kind of describe it briefly, um, the game is about trying to achieve the American dream. Um, and there are cards throughout the game that have positive and negative point values, basically depending on what they are. Um, so for example, um, like the women's liberation movement is a positive value card, whereas the assassination of JFK is a negative value card. <laughs> um, and I guess technically, depending on where you stand, you could argue that, you know, one of those things is not positive or not negative. Um, but so it's real historical events or phenomenon, and we kind of attribute um, whether or not they were positive or negative, specifically in the pursuit of the American dream. Um, so some of the cards are not necessarily like, oh, we think this is great, but according to the premise of the American dream, this is in theory something that's supposed to reinforce it. Right. Um, so did you write the... Um like the cards themselves with Mike? I'm sorry, you cut out the cards with what? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Did you write the cards themselves with Mike? Yeah. Um, so Mike actually owned a lot of the research um, and then I kind of signed off on like final copy. So it was back and forth. So yeah, I think he mostly, he would like, he did most of the research. He would write the first draft and then I would kind of come in and, um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, game design is incredibly tedious with like verbiage and stuff. Right. <laughs> like that's a huge <laughs> part of it is like, okay, we need to make sure that we refer to this mechanic as like the same way every single time. Um, so in my experience, it's best to kind of have like one designated person kind of put the finishing touches on any kind of writing just to make sure that like all the verbiage is the same. Um because you would not believe how, I don't know what it is, but players just kind of take on this like learned helplessness. Um, yeah, we play test it once with um, my aunt who is like very <laughs> enthusiastic about the game, but she was like, okay, this card says immediately. Does that mean immediately? <laughs> like, I don't want to be any clearer. Um, so, so yeah, so I guess the writing was a combination of me and Mike ultimately. Right, well talking about learned helplessness, um, it really makes me laugh and you're, and the instructions for the game, it's like phase one, draw a card. And it's like, it just makes me laugh that you have to like give it its own uh, paragraph almost, which is sadly true. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> and we, it was interesting because um, anyone who's going to release a game, like definitely play, play test it with different types of people. Um, 
because we, a lot of the people in our personal friend circle, um, you know, most of them we met at school, going to school for game development. And then other ones are people who are just into games. Um, it makes sense. We're into games. So our friends are into games. Um, hmm. So our first probably like 10 playthroughs of the game were with this group of people um, who like a lot of things didn't need to be explained to them. Like they just kind of understood there's a common language between different games. Right. Um, but also they were like very competitive. Um, like we were actually kind of fearful at one point because people were like, oh, like it's really luck based. There's not a lot of ways to like screw over other players. Um, but then my family, my extended family came in from out of town and we played it with them and it was just like, oh, okay, this game is not too simple. It's not too whatever. Things aren't over explained. Um, so it's just very interesting. So play with non-gamers. Definitely would recommend that. Play test your game <laughs> with not gamers. Um, do you have any influences when it comes to uh, game making? Um, like as far as people or... Uh, what, people or, or like specific projects, if those come to mind. Um, yes and no. I mean, that kind of, so the, one of our influences for Americana was the show Mad Men. Um, right. And ironically, I would say when I was first going to school for game development, like what, um, oh my God, like nine years ago now. Um, and even kind of after school in the first years that I was like really in the formative years of my career, um, I was definitely influenced by um, like prominent game designers and games um, that kind of laid the foundation for me. But now I actually kind of, um, I look to other things. I really like good TV shows. I really think um, even just like the creative process, like I've watched all of Mad Men with the commentary every single episode. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag. Like I kind of like, um, I like to kind of take things from other media. Like, I think that's, I don't know. That's just like what inspires me at this point is like, what is it about other media that's so compelling and how can I kind of fold it into games? No, I think that's very important. I, it always worries me when people, uh, create in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. Like you meet a screenwriter who only watches movies. It's like, yeah, but you should really read or just do it other other art forms as well, if not to make you look unique. So it's good to hear that you're doing that as well. Yeah, and I definitely, I don't know, like, it's kind of a cliche game designers talk about, like, oh, well, to be a game designer, you have to be an artist and a psychologist and a writer. Um, and, like, I think that's true, but it wasn't until I kind of delved into myself that it's really just about, like, just being thinking, just, like, always, like, critically thinking. And sometimes, you know, a... Um, I don't know, an analysis of a movie or something can be a good way to kind of like open up your mind and start thinking about things in different ways. Right. Well, do you think if you weren't a fan of Mad Men, the, your game would be placed in a different time period? Um, I don't know. Um, I think kind of, I think one of the reasons why Americana works is that um, people have, so kind of what, at the heart of Americana, what we were kind of trying to get at is like this, this sort of um, non-existent, this America that never was, but a lot of people are nostalgic for. Um, I actually am thinking of a, a line from Mad Men now where a character <laughs> talks about the word utopia, how it has two meanings in like Greek, um, one being one being like the perfect place and another meaning being the place that can never be. Um, 
So, and I think that's very specific to that time. And we try to capture that mechanically, just kind of like, like, oh, this, like this American dream. It's like, it's right there. I can see it. It's defined by the culture. And yet, you know, these things happen and it's really kind of beyond me whether or not I can have the American dream or if it even exists, depending on who you ask. So, right. Well, do you think it is possible to achieve the uh, stereotypical American dream? Well, I would say the stereotypical American dream is incredibly shallow. So yes, um, if you've got enough money, <laughs> you can buy a nice car, you can buy a mixer, you can go to the movies, you can buy a nice TV set, um, you can have the American dream. Um, <laughs> as for whether or not that's what would make me happy, um, I would say no. But Well, where do you want to be long term um, as a you know creator and a game maker? What, what is your version of the, of the American dream? Um, well, I would like to be able to, uh, do this in a way that's financially viable. Right. Um, <laughs> we're slowly getting there over time. Um, so that's step one. Um, also, I just like to be able to make a variety of games. Um, and kind of as the cherry on top, I really care about media literacy. Um, I think you know, not only because I think storytelling is important, but just because I think it's a really good way to to just kind of like open up a new world of like thinking for people. Like I remember um, in high school, I took a film class and it was like the first time that so many things I've learned about in history actually stuck um, because <laughs> you take a film class, you like, you, you know, you see Charlie Chaplin, you see, you know, movies from the 1800s and you start to actually be like, oh, like this is not just, a concept like this is a real thing that happened or whatever um so i would like to kind of um whether it's me personally or other people i work with um also kind of dig into media literacy as well and make that available to people i guess right well how what's your do you have a plan about going about that or is that just, just uh, like i'll figure it out when i get there kind of thing um, kind of, a, I'll figure it out when I get there. I know there are a lot of people, um, right now doing like YouTube video essays that I really like. Um, so. Can you name yeah. some people? Um, so I really like the take, um, they used to be called screen prism, um, which actually might be easier to like Google or search on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I don't know if changing their name to the take was the greatest move, but, um, but they do some really awesome analysis. Um, yeah, anyone who likes Breaking Bad, uh, Mad Men. Um, they do lots of Game of Thrones stuff. Though I kind of fell off that bandwagon. Um, yeah, so that's a big one. Um, when I was kind of uh, more into more learning kind of the basics of like game design, uh, there was a YouTube channel called Errant Signal that I used to like. Um, yeah, that was kind of... That was an interesting defining kind of point for me because he's very um he's very critical and he's very critical of a lot of um very popular games. So I remember I you know I I loved the first Bioshock and when Bioshock Infinite came out I was kind of swept up in the hype and then he did a video that was very critical of it and I kind of like I don't know it made me kind of um question my own like capacity to get involved in like hype culture. Um, right. So. But yeah, I, I do really like the take. <laughs> <laughs> I only ask because I love like 
I personally like looking at what people find interesting in, but I also like it on in this setting because it's like, hey, if you like if you like my guests, then you will also like the things that they like. And it's just like yeah. Please tell them, please tell them that you you came because of the little guys and then other people will come to me. It's very selfish. Yeah. <laughs> um do you think you've changed between like when you decided you wanted to be someone who worked in the games industry and now as an artist? Um I don't know so much about as an artist, I guess kind of I'm I feel more artistically defined. Um I will say kind of my opinion of like the game industry has changed um right my want has changed you know like i i came out of college just like gunning for like the triple a world and um kind of really i don't know kind of romanticized this idea of like crunch um and now kind of having like gone through that i'm very much not interested in that at all um and i just I guess I want to make games that are a little more avant-garde. Um, you don't want to work 100-hour weeks? What are you talking about? No. <laughs> um, and anyone who thinks they can, uh, you cannot. Um, <laughs> things will happen. Um, so. what, do you, what do you mean by more avant-garde games? Um, games that are just a bit more, like, I don't know. I'm not... I don't really relate to like I remember watching like any game the movie with like Sailfish and stuff. Um, like I don't really relate to like Jonathan Blow or anyone like that trying to make whatever these super like artsy games. Um, but just games that are almost kind of, you know, I I would think it'd be interesting to make games that are kind of antagonistic almost to other games or like game tropes. Um, yeah, games that don't necessarily... I'm not really concerned with entertainment. Like, obviously, you want players to be compelled. Um, but you don't have to You don't have to be, like, having fun, necessarily, to be compelled. Like, you go see a scary movie that's really scary. It's compelling, but you're probably not really, like, enjoying yourself. Um, so, yeah, I think the best thing that games have to offer is... Um, just being able to kind of like capture things mechanically um, and like player interaction. Um, so I'm really most concerned with that basically like trying to con convey like a feeling or something complicated um, like politics. I like to kind of work politics into games because it's kind of one of the best ways to, you know, it's kind of like a sneaky way to get people to at least understand what your thinking is, even if they don't agree with like the end result. Um, so, so yeah, I guess that's that's what I mean by avant-garde. Would you say that in that regard, you're making things for yourself first and then for an audience? Um, not necessarily. I really like. I want to connect with people. Like that's really at the heart of it. Um, so I'm not really making it to please anyone. <laughs> um, I mean, like I'm kind of, you know, I'm myself. I'm pleased if like I succeed, um, but, but I'm really kind of trying to make it for, for all of us. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So I guess I just, I think about it a little differently. It's kind of more just like uh, an impulse. Like, I don't know. Um, I just got to do it. Um, oh no, I get that. I'll, I'll just like sit down and start writing and I'm like, what am I writing about today? And I just happen to do it. Yeah. That makes, <laughs> that makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, do you have like an ideal situation 
for someone to say like for a way for a way for you to know that your game resonated with someone is that just like them emailing you or like do you bump into them somewhere and they're like oh my god i played americana and you you're right like how does that work yeah (laughs) (laughs) um well yeah so i guess this is an example of a game that we're working on and no one's played yet but we went to an event where we were demoing americana and we got into talk with this lady um she was a bit older um she was not the sort of person who you would normally imagine at like a tabletop gaming event, um, right. which is always kind of cool to me. Um, like my games aren't necessarily like just for gamers. Um, but anyway, but she played Americana and then she asked us about our next project and we like explain it to her and she like paused for a minute. And she goes, Oh, that's kind of deep. Um, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm on the right track. Um, so yeah. So <laughs> Well, that's like, I don't know if you know, uh, have you seen Bottle Rocket with Wes Anderson? No. Okay. Um, I, I assume you know who Wes Anderson is. That's Bottle Rocket was his first movie. And the first time they test screened it, it failed miserably. Everybody like was filling out the cards they were given for opinions and thoughts of the movie and saying like, this is a bad movie. Um, and Wes Anderson talks about, there was one card they got from a from a college student. I don't remember what she was majoring in. I apologize. But it was basically like a critical analysis of the movie that she had written on like both sides of the card. And Anderson was like, this is my audience. I don't care about any of the other cards. Yeah. Tonight. I made a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that too. I, I think there's something great about people who get it, whatever it may be. Um, Cause you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not dumb. Like I'm right. It's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you, do you have a, um... I watched, well, let me rephrase the question. When will you know that you guys have made it with Avian Rampage? Is there like a specific number of units sold? Is there a dollar amount? When will you know you're like a successful game maker? Um, really when we're all just able to, you know, when, when we're self-sustainable, like, um, that's the main thing. Um, I'm already kind of pleased with how we work together and like the rate at which we're like working. Um, like I was just recently reflecting like, Oh, we haven't had any issues with like scoping problems. Like, um, like on our current project, like we've just been like trucking along. Um, so that would be the main thing um, is when we're self-sustainable. We, um, we are all, um concerned about basically we want this to be um forever basically worker owned and operated um like we would like to kind of continually like add people in um and increase the ownership um so we also kind of want to set an example that way basically um right now we're an llc we're looking into formerly becoming a worker co-op it's kind of different depending on what state you're in um so yeah, if we could make a business that is, you know, treats everyone fairly and everybody gets an equal stake and we're making games that people like and paying money for, um, that would be, that's the dream basically. So. How far away do you think you are from achieving that? Um, hmm. I don't know. I like to say like within five years, I don't, right. it's, it's really hard to say. And there's not really a marketing bone between any of us right now. <laughs> right. Um, so we don't really even know how to like predict that stuff. But um, 
I will say just like between Americana and this current game, like we've kind of, if we kind of can keep up that rate of like growth, um, like adding a person kind of incrementally making each project a little bigger, um, growing our audience that much more. Um, I would be very pleased with that. If, you know, if that continued for like one or two more projects, I think we'd, I think we'd be really close if not there. Right. That's, that sounds, um, that's, that's a comforting answer for me because, um, I'm doing the work. I'm doing all this show by myself at this point. My uh, my team members got real jobs, but yeah, <laughs> um, I'll gain about a listener or two listeners almost every episode, and which is cool. Mm -hmm. But I was doing the math, and it's like for me to be financially stable or not financially for this to do like a quarter of my living cost, um, I would have to be doing an episode a week for like three years. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> that's not yeah. what we want. Well, we do want to make it, but we want to be bigger by then than we are now, which I know is like a dumb thing to say. Uh, but it's good to hear that other people are like, and then we'll just make more things and people might come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've also, um, you've learned a lot of stuff along the way. Um, like, you know, in the last year we've like made a newsletter and, um, you know, we go to events and, you know, we'll only sell like a couple copies of the game, but we'll usually get like a dozen people to sign up for the newsletter and people engage with it. And you just kind of, I don't know, things, it, it's slow, but for us, like things have definitely like snowballed, like they've increased, um, not quite exponentially, but, you know, increasingly more basically as time People goes are. on. Yeah. Um, what, was yeah. there a specific moment where you guys were like, oh, this is like a feasible thing we can go after. This isn't just a thing that we were doing together. Um, I mean, there's kind of always the intention, like, I don't know, I tend to, <laughs> personally, um, uh, more so than most people, and probably the most out of anyone, um, out of the four people at our company, um, <laughs> I tend to kind of, I don't know, I like throw myself in the deep, deep end and then learn how to swim. Um, that's right. kind of how like I've, I basically had to like, cut myself off from sources of security basically to make any major change in my life. Um, so I was just kind of like, all right, you know, let's, let's formalize it. Let's make a company that we are legally liable for. We have to file our taxes <laughs> and then it'll be real. You know, we're spending money every single year just to keep it open. So that's going to make us want to really like invest our time. Um, which I know that's like the opposite of like real financial advice, which is like, never spend your own money, like secure a loan first and then whatever. Um, but unfortunately that was not the reality for us. So, so we're in it for real. That's really cool. I'm, I'm glad you went in at the, like day zero with the idea, like this is my company and I'm going to make it work. Mm -hmm. Well, once I decided basically, um, for me personally, like I can't speak to everyone else. Um, but I just realized like, you know what, I, I don't like, I don't really want to work for other people. Like obviously you do what you have to do to make money and pay rent. Um, but as far as creative fulfillment, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get that if I work for at least what's hiring, you know, the places I've been hiring since I left school, it's not really a good fit. Right. Um, do you want to uh you we've talked about how you want to poke fun at other games and you want to be diff your company wants to be different than the way that the games market is set up now with the crunch crisis and everything 
Um, do you want to be a change maker in that regard? Or do you just want to be different and maybe other people will be different as well? Um, it'd be nice to be a change maker. But as I've gotten older, I've kind of gotten more um, self-preservational. Um, like, obviously, I would like to, you know, inspire other people. Um, and, you know, it'd be nice to make an influence. But at the end of the day, I'm ultimately concerned with, like, doing right by myself and the people I work with. Um, and I also think people kind of got to learn to fend for themselves. Like, um, uh, you know, I'm always like willing to help people, but like people have to kind of come to that conclusion themselves that, you know, either they don't like being exploited, they don't like the overtime, they don't like X, Y, Z. Um, like you can't really, as much as you try and proselytize someone, um, you can't necessarily change hearts and minds that way. So. But but if someone, you know, if someone's working at a big company and it's, you know, their fourth month of 80 hour weeks and everything's a mess and then they see, you know, someone like us who are succeeding and are happy in our lives and we have a reasonable life work balance um, and they get a little jealous. Um, that seems, in my experience, <laughs> to be like the best kind of force for change is basically kind of cultivating something good for other people to see and then they want it and then they take it upon themselves to try and get it for themselves. Okay. So you want to lead by example. Mm -hmm. um, it, when about did that change from um, how you were to being more, like you said, self-preservative? Um, it was just kind of a gradual realization. I don't know if it's just part of like, becoming a real adult or right. what but um i remember i used to i don't have facebook anymore but i used to go on facebook and i used to just get like so angry i'd get headaches getting into arguments with people and i realized one day i was like oh you know what no one has ever changed my mind about a thing on facebook so what are <laughs> the odds what are the odds that i'm changing anyone else's mind and i was just like i'm done um so all you've done is like ruined your own day at that point yeah. Um, yeah, literally like thinking about it now, I can like feel the type of headache I would get. Um, so oddly enough, that was kind of like a weirdly life changing realization for me was like stupid Facebook arguments. Um, and that kind of informed my philosophy in general. Um, but but that's something I kind of like about games is you can be more surreptitious. And I think you actually can. Um, even if you don't change people's opinions, like you kind of confront them on your terms it's like well it's my game and my mechanics so you can <laughs> not like it but um you know go go make your own game as um, long as you're under my roof <laughs> yeah basically um so so that's kind of what i like about games um like i don't really have to confront people directly while at the same time i'm i'm exerting as much influence as i want okay well what's more in, in that regard what's more important um what you're saying or the game itself um, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I guess I feel like what I'm trying to say is integral to the game. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, like I make music with a friend of mine and he, and like, we make fun of things and he's like, well, he asked me the same question. I didn't have an answer for him either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically I was using you to take your answer and then give it to him. Like it was mine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what's the, uh, what's the future for Avian Rampage? Cause at the time of recording, you've got Americana out and this episode will come out around April. 
Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I record everything ahead of time because I'm I'm in school till March 26 is when I graduate. So um, doing this every week and doing like schoolwork would be terrible. I think I would die. Um, yeah. So this would be out around April. Um, what do you think you guys will be doing uh, as soon as then? Well, um, we are planning our Kickstarter for probably March. So hopefully we will have just wrapped up a successful Kickstarter that raises enough money that we can cut ourselves some kind of money. Um, yeah, Mike and I didn't make any money off of Americana. Um, all our money went to like an artist we contracted. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so hopefully we will be um, well on our way to getting our current game, which is called Revolt, by the way, with an exclamation point. Um, that will be funded, hopefully, and on its way to being released. Um, we are trying to release it over the summer. Um, I don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but we want it to coincide <laughs> with people's angst over the election season. Um, <laughs> in my head, people will be in the mood for that, but maybe they'll be stressed out and not want to play it. Um, but yeah, so um, for sure by the end of 2020, unless something goes catastrophically wrong, um, our next game will be out and hopefully it will be bigger and better than Americana and people will dig it. Are you comfortable with me reaching back out near the end of 2020 and asking you if it's out, if it's not? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm doing the same thing with another artist uh, named T and she's supposed to be releasing her first album and she told me to do the same thing. So I'm going to try to like cut yeah. a special <laughs> episode because I'm, I'm quirky. Um, so reach out in December. Um, do you want to talk about revolt? Sure. Um, what is revolt? <laughs> okay. Um, I have to get good at explaining it because um, it's kind of wonky. Um, Revolt is a board game, though the majority of the play happens with cards. So it's kind of like a card game with like a board prop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is about the collapse of society. And basically different factions have their own individual goals um, and they compete with each other while the world kind of ends around them. Um, so... It has what's called a collapse counter. And over the course of the game, there will be crises that come up. Um, the crisis cards, they're pretty similar to the crisis cards in the Battlestar Galactica board game or Dead of Winter, maybe right. in other board games. Um, and basically, if people collectively fail to resolve those crises, it advances the collapse counter. Um, the collapse counter is a universal lose condition. So everybody in the game loses with rare exception um, if the collapse is reached. Um, yeah, it's literally like a scale one to 10 and you move a token along until it reaches 10. Um, but on top of that, players also have individual win conditions. So, um, depending on what your mission is, it can be hard to leverage like preventing the collapse and, um, meeting your win condition. So there are the four factions in the game are innovators, which are like entrepreneurs, um, like corporate executives, um, think like Jeff Bezos, uh, Elon Musk. Um, right. I'm trying to be as like politically neutral as I explain these things. Um, you you can say whatever. Um, yeah, I mostly mean like, I don't want to, 
I don't want to impose my, I want players ultimately to kind of pick what they're drawn to. And if they're in for oh, like okay. a nasty surprise, that's fine. Um, and there are statists who are basically anyone who like work for the government. Um, this is set in like a very similar, but fictional world. Basically we didn't want to like have to, you know, adhere to like the actual laws and government of like the United States necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah, the status are, they range from, like, an army general, the vice president, down to, like, a mayor. Um, there are activists who are peaceful revolutionaries, and there are uh, insurgents who are not so peaceful revolutionaries. Um, but anyway, so those all are, they all have very distinct goals, basically. Um, so the innovators, for example, will want to... Um, hoard resources and crisis cards are resolved with resources so they'll have to leverage like okay i need to have you know more resources than anybody else but at the same time like the the doomsday counter is is ticking along um so so yeah basically it's about um the world ending and people kind of tripping over each other rather than addressing the problem um or you know some some factions and some characters are more culpable than others Right. Um, what was, what was, what's it been like working on this game so far? Um, it's been very good. Um, I, <laughs> so despite going to school for um, game project management specifically, I employed almost none of that for Americana. Um, <laughs> Americana was a game that me and Mike just like worked on scattershot basically like after work, um, you know, we'd go a month at a time without working on it. And then we would just work on it like for a whole weekend. Um, Whereas this, I actually, like, um, I sat down, I did some project management. Um, we brought my brother, Alexander, on to work on the game as well. Um, so he's designing. So we have a third designer now. Um, so it's going pretty good. Um, and we, since our first prototype, we kind of, like, we, you know, we have to make, we're always, like, tinkering on the edges. But, like, we kind of nailed the, the central conflict. Um, so so I'm very pleased. and. Um, and there's no research involved whatsoever. Um, so ironically, like this game, despite being more complex, like I don't think it's gonna be more work than Americana because for Americana, we had to come up with like 90 pieces of historical fact. Um, right. So yeah, so so it's going good. Have there been any, um, any roadblocks along the way yet? Knock on wood. Um, nothing major it's mostly just kind of like logistical things um yeah a lot of <laughs> um <laughs> there's actually like a lot to consider like as far as like manufacturing the game is concerned um so a lot of the game is actually defined by like so for example um let's say you want cards in your game and you you have to pay for them by the sheet and there are 18 cards per sheet so you have to determine like okay, well, if we have 19 of these cards, then we're paying for a sheet just for, you know, that came became a really expensive 19th card. Um, so just like things like that, like figuring out like where you want to shuffle around resources. Um, right. Like, okay, do we want to, do we want to try and combine these so that there are 18 cards or do we want to have to commit to 36 cards because whatever, we have to move on to the next increment of the, the product basically. Um, so that's kind of been it, um, and we're we're play testing it. Um, we've gotten some pretty good player feedback, um, but yeah, we haven't had to do any major changes so far. Um, just little tweaks like regulating the economy, um, 
players have made some pretty good suggestions um, that basically don't involve any, you know, just like little rule changes that don't even require like redesigns or anything. So yeah, I'm very happy with how things are going. Um, are you ever, are you ever worried that things are going too well? <laughs> uh, like that something bad might happen um, because <laughs> I'm running out of karma. Uh, <laughs> um, not especially, but um, I don't know. I think my my project management like background has kind of served me well. Um, like I I've gotten pretty good at like being able to tell from far away, like oh. Like, this is a change worth making because we're going to get a lot of mileage out of it versus, like, this is going to screw everything up. This is going to have a cascading effect. Um, like, I've gotten pretty good at, like, estimating, like, okay, this should take X amount of hours. Um, I know a lot of game developers, I don't know what it is, but they're, like, very averse to that. <laughs> I think it doesn't jive with the usual personality type. Um, but I make it work for me. So. All right. Um, and... If there's anyone listening that is trying to make their first game, whether it be board game or online or what have you, um, do you have any do you have any sage advice for them? Um, well, just to reiterate, play test your game with non-gamers. Um, your like <laughs> aunts and uncles or grandparents are probably a good bet. Um, and also, just like really don't um, don't turn your nose up at project management, even if it's just like right now um, we're working out of like Google sheets and I'm doing all the project management there. Um, I'm literally for anyone who has worked out of Jira before, I'm literally like writing up a rough approximation of like user stories. Um, and we like split up the work that way. Um, so yeah. Um, and also try and nail down your, manufacturing costs first like per game because that that can inform your design decisions um so we use a website called uh thegamecrafter.com and it's very um transparent they have a ton of different game parts and you can like um kind of mix and match things and get a good idea of how much it costs um yeah so i would i would look at that up front um like what game parts you're going to use because because there are like logistical restrictions and you do not want to pay for something that you're not like actually using because you just whatever to have one you have to pay for four or what have you right um and do you have any advice you would give yourself at the beginning like a, a past version of yourself like you when you first started making things um prepare more for the kickstarter specifically like timing and whatnot we did a lot of work um to make like our our video which is not very flashy but it still took a ton <laughs> of work um spent a lot of time writing like the body of the kickstarter campaign but um but yeah this time we're gonna be i'm gonna be reaching out to different people um and just kind of like figuring out the perfect timing so a story about kickstarter is um we just launched kickstarter and then like a week or two in, someone who actually works from Kickstarter uh, reached out to me and we met up and they're like, oh yeah, um, I'm going to get Americana in the newsletter that goes out like every month or whatever. Um, and they did. Um, however, the newsletter went out 
two hours after our campaign ended. Oh. Um, and I get like all these messages from people. They're like, oh, I want to support it, blah, 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 blah. Um, so fortunately, we were able to set up like a pre-ordering service like separately. I like, whipped it up that night. Um, so we were able to retain like five of those people. But like I do not doubt for a second that if the campaign had been you know, had kept going on that we would have gotten, you know, maybe like 15 people. Um, yeah, especially with Kickstarter and probably crowdfunding in general, like it is not a meritocracy. There's a lot of like, you have to like get seen and you have to like hit these like algorithmic thresholds um, because yeah, we got like way more activity and interest in the Kickstarter campaign two hours after it ended than we did like in the last week. Um, so so that's another thing. It's just kind of um, don't don't underestimate just like weird random shit like that. Like I don't know stuff that you kind of hand wave away. Like oh yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, it'd be cool to be in the newsletter, but whatever. Like no, if you if you those opportunities come up, like seize them. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so, like you said, this will be out a little bit after you launch your new Kickstarter, what do you, if we were to look at this one and the original one for Americana, what would we see that was different? Um, we're going to make our goal a lot higher. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically we're going to try and build in like actual pay for ourselves into the Kickstarter goal. Um, we'll see if we succeed because obviously the bigger your goal, the harder it is to attain. Um, we, Hopefully we'll have a much cooler kick-ass video. Um, actually pretty excited. Um, my brother Alexander, he just recently picked up like making music. Um, <laughs> he's weird like that, um, but he's also working on the game, but he just, um, he just, he's like made a song and it sounds like really cool. Um, and we've got like cool ideas for the video. Um, yeah, we're hoping to kind of, I don't know. Um, I don't want to say the game necessarily has lore, like it has characters and they have like little backstories. Um, but we're trying to kind of give the video like more of like an in-game narrative. Um, so that would be the main thing. Um, bigger price, hopefully a flashier, more polished video. Um, and links to a better new and improved website, um, better, more established social media accounts. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll just hopefully have our act more together. <laughs> we'll look more like a company. Yes. <laughs> um, we're coming up close to that time. Um, we're not, we're only a couple at the time of recording, we're only a couple weeks away from when you would launch. Do you, mm -hmm. are there any nerves with that? Like, Oh, we're not moving fast enough to get the Kickstarter ready. Or are you guys on schedule? Um, well, there's definitely quite a bit of work to do. In fact, like I have a pretty good sense of when we're going to launch the Kickstarter, but I need to like um, do kind of a final pass on our current production schedule to make sure it lines up. Um, so I don't know quite about nervous. Like I'm not 100% confident that we're going to hit our goal because we do want to ask for quite a bit, basically. Um, but yeah. Um, I think things, you know, I think we're going to be able to roll out a solid Kickstarter campaign. Um, we have a bit of an existing audience now as opposed to starting from nothing. Um, so we'll just see what happens. Um, I know there are, um, I've talked to game developers who 
will be talk to someone who is like, oh, yeah, like I, you know, I never run my Kickstarter campaigns for more than two weeks because if it doesn't succeed, like I just want to drop it and move on to the next thing. Um, I'm definitely not that brave. <laughs> I've been trying to kind of like internalize that because with Americana, I was just like, you know, what will become of me if we do not succeed at this Kickstarter campaign? Um, but apparently, you know, failing and trying again is very much a legitimate way to get things done. I'm very glad you said that. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to name the title, something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cause that's my next question is like um, worst case scenario revolt doesn't hit its funding. Do you keep in, do you keep going? Yeah, we will. Um, and in fact, one of the benefits of having spoken with someone who worked for Kickstarter, um, apparently like the majority of campaigns that like relaunch succeed. Um, so I don't know if it's just cause like they have the people they gained last time plus new ones. Um, but yeah, and we've, I don't know, we've put in a lot of work, so we're going to make it one way or another. This game's going to come out. So. That's really good to hear. Um, if you, this is just a completely off-topic question because we are rounding down to the end. Um, if you weren't making games, would you still be making something? And if so, what would that be? Um, yes, I would definitely be making something. Um, I would like to think. <laughs> <laughs> knowing nothing about the industry. Um, I would like to think that I would be like working on TV. Um, I think like TV writers rooms just sound like so cool. Um, right. But more kind of independently, like I think doing some kind of writing, I actually, um, I don't have a super formal like writing education. That's something I'm trying to like develop more. Um, I'd love to go back to school, um, but <laughs> I don't know about taking on another like multiple tens of thousands of dollars in debt burden. Right. Um, so yeah, I think I would look into something kind of more along those lines. Okay. And what's stopping you from writing your own shows and stuff now? Um, well, really like games kind of have my heart. Um, <laughs> so I can kind of get everything that I want from games, like even kind of what appeals to me about like writing, I can, um, definitely incorporate into games. So that's the main thing. Awesome. Well, uh, do you want to shout out your social medias and then we'll be out the door? Sure. Um, I am on Twitter and I think Instagram, uh, both. I am at Chloe game dev. That's C H L O E. Um, dev like developer. Um, avian rampage is at avian rampage on both Twitter and Instagram. And also you should sign up for a newsletter. If you go to avianrampage.com and you scroll down to the bottom of the page, there is a link to sign up to our newsletter, which is um, something we send out every month. Um, we don't spam. I write it, so I happen to think it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of the best way to keep tabs on us. Awesome. And uh, you can follow my show at the little guys three on Twitter. Follow me at JW Freeman underscore on Instagram and Twitter and um, follow show wherever we're everywhere. And I'll see you guys next week. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's always great to talk to new people. And plus like, you know, in, in talking to other people, I'm like, Oh, we got a board game person. And they're like, Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> like, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Yes, very prestigious, prestigious board games. Yeah, it is. So uh, to everybody listening at home, listening at home, make sure you 
follow the newsletter so you know that when the uh, any updates on Revolt and things like that. And if you follow them, tell them that I sent you so I can get clout. <laughs> cool. All right. 